Father in heaven, we're so grateful for your love and your care for us and the call of heaven in each of our lives. As we spend this hour together, Lord, we want it to be an hour together with you especially, a thoughtful hour with our Savior, our ears learning to be in tune with the voice of heaven, and then praying, Father, for your will to be done in our lives. Thank you for each one here. Thank you, Lord, that you have brought them. And I especially pray, Lord, that you may minister to them. Minister to me, Father. And may we go away from this hour knowing that you have been in our midst. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Last year, we did a seminar on prayer. Were any of you in that seminar last year? Okay, a good majority of you. And I had so many requests coming in from that just to help establish the devotional life. We talked a lot about prayer, a lot about the need for prayer, how to pray, and, and those things but not as much time just modeling the example of the devotional life. So that's the intention of this. If you saw in the program, it said it's not a seminar. This is a, a real-life example. And so I haven't really prepared for this. I wanted it to be as natural as it could be, just like if I were to wake up in the morning and, and go to my time in prayer and devotion, that we could just do that together. Now, I, I want to be quick to say that this is not the way to do it. It's one way to do it. So I hope you'll understand that and you can glean from it. You know, it's like not everybody enjoys the same kinds of food. And not all foods work the same way with some people as they do others. But, but one thing we do know is that we all need food. And scripture says, and you can tell me where it's found, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And where is that found? You know where else that's found? You know what? I just want to tell you the power of God's word and having a consistent daily walk with the Lord. You'll see things that you never saw before. I don't think I even noticed that until, you know, a couple years ago. I thought, wow, that's interesting. I, is that it's the same in Matthew 4 and someone else tell me in Luke 4. Go to Luke 4. 4. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Matthew 4 4, Luke 4 4. Did anyone ever see that before? Yeah, one person. I didn't see that for years. And it just shows you the little treasures we find in God's word. And. Yesterday, someone handed me a card that had a verse on it, and I had not uh, noticed that before, how it jumped out. 
And I'm trying to find it here again. Mike, what verse was that on your card? He's got to look here too. Oh, yeah, 162. Psalm 119, 162. And I thought about that after I, I saw that on the card that he gave me. I thought, Lord, what a blessing that was to me because that's what I find morning by morning in your word. Psalm 119, verse 162. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Oh, each day we want to find a treasure from God's word. We want to be like Jeremiah in uh, Jeremiah... Is it 15? Yes, Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Your words were found and I ate them, and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. So that's what we want. Each morning when we come to the word of God, when we come to that time in the early morning to spend with God, we want to come to it as searching for a treasure. We want to come expecting to meet God in that time. And I, I wrote it down here. This is an incredible quote here from Steps to Christ. Sorry, it's not on the screen. But uh, page 90, she says, There is nothing more calculated to strengthen the intellect than a study of the Bible. No other book is so potent. What is potent? There is so much in there just ready to split, yeah, spring out of the Word of God. So potent to elevate the thoughts. You ever find your thoughts are down here? <laughs> what does the Bible say about the Lord's thoughts? They are higher than our thoughts. When we come to scriptures, Scripture, whose thoughts are we meditating on? God's. And as we meditate on God's thoughts, where are our thoughts? They are lifted higher. That's why she says, so potent to elevate the thoughts, to give vigor to the faculties, it's the mind and the body, as the broad ennobling truths of the Bible. Oh, that's so wonderful to know. It is so wonderful to know that God has a plan to strengthen us day by day as we spend it with Him. That was Steps to Christ, page 90. Steps to Christ, page 90. And this comes from the Desire of Ages. And page 390, talking about the Word of God and the promises of the Word of God. This is what she says. In his promises and warnings, Jesus means me. Think about that for a moment. When you open the scriptures and you're reading, when you open the spirit of prophecy and you're reading, you're reading the promises and warnings, who is God talking to? He's talking to you and he's talking to me. And that's what I want to show you in as we go through a devotional together. Now, some of you may say, you know, one time and I got it. Others may say, you know, I need it a couple times. But I'm going to be here all week. Each day, we're going to do a devotional together. And 
you're going to find that God will have a treasure hidden for you every single day. And it's pretty incredible. There's some times where I wake up and, you know, I don't feel so much like getting up and, <laughs> and going to my knees and opening the Bible. Sometimes I open the Word of God and my mind is just so foggy. And I just think, Lord, you have to help me today. <laughs> you ever have a morning like that? <laughs> and yet, I don't know that there's ever been a time where I've left not having a rich blessing from God. If I've sought it. If I've sought it. The Lord never turns us away without his heavenly blessing. No one ever sought Christ where he didn't touch them and give them a blessing. She says, in his promises and warnings, Jesus means me. Then talking about relating God's word to my experience, she says, as faith thus receives and assimilates the principles of truth, they become a part of the being and the motive power of the life. The Word of God received into the soul molds the thoughts and enters into the development of character. So how is it that God changes us to be like Him? How does Scripture say it? Yes. So by beholding Christ, we become changed. And that's why, you know, when I look at Scripture, you know, some of my favorite Bible characters, and I could, you know, tell you why I enjoy them all, but some of them, like Enoch, he walked with God for how long? So he was walking with God, and then he had a son, and he walked with God even closer 300 years after that. It wasn't a constant state of excitement. It wasn't a constant sensational walk with God. It was a daily, humble, earnest, elevated walk with Christ. And sometimes I think we have a danger in thinking that the devotional life should always be an ecstasy of feeling. Now, I'll tell you the highest joys I've ever experienced <laughs> have been in that time with the Lord. But also there have been times where, you know, I've just been, you know, the weeping and gnashing of teeth in a sense, just pleading with God to help me. And there's a misconception sometimes that I should always feel so great when I come to the Lord. And so often we wait until we feel that great desire to come to the Lord. When we need to learn that every day we must seek God. Whether we feel up here or whether we feel down here, we need to get in the habit of seeking Him day by day and walking with Him day by day. Not just for a moment, not just for a week, not for a spiritual revival, but day by day. Think of that. Enoch walked with God 300 years. And then one day, the Lord just 
opened the gates of heaven and he found himself walking into the new Jerusalem. That's going to be all of us one day. Now we don't have to, none of us are going to walk this earth 300 years. You understand that, right? (laughs) At most, we have a few short years to walk with our Savior. But we'll find them a joy if we do indeed walk with Him. So since it's not up here, I was hoping to have it up here. I did make copies of it too. So I want to just kind of start from the beginning. I'm going to hand this out. This is a, what I, what I did do was I chose some of the shorter chapters from Spirit of Prophecy, and then we'll do the correlation in Scripture. But sometimes it spans multiple days. But I chose ones that could be done all in one day, just for the sake of, of making each time together a standalone time. So I'm going to hand these. You could just kind of pass it around and hand that back. Get that out, and then I want to kind of give an overview of kind of a, a format of the devotional time. How many of you have the Discipleship Handbook? How many of you do not have the Discipleship Handbook? Okay. If you do not have one, I may just have one for you. If you, do, if you already have one, for those who come every day this week, I have a copy for each one of you, a handbook and a mentor's guide. The reason why it's so important this is because in the back of this handbook, there is a devotional reading plan. It correlates the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. And this is the basis that I go off of. And I, I just find it a, a fantastic plan. Now, you may have another plan, and that's okay. Sometimes I do deviate from this. <laughs> and I'll explain that here in a moment. But... The, the key is you want a plan. You can have an extraordinary experience in the Word of God by just getting up one morning and feeling need of seeking God and going and open your Bible somewhere and reading, and the Lord is going to bless because His Word does not return void, right? However, For the consistent daily walk with God, you want a plan. So that it's not haphazard, it's a well-rounded diet. You understand what that means? Not just a hobby that I want to study, but what God wants to reveal day by day by day. So that's important. You want to have a plan, you want to think about it before you come to that morning. So... Before the morning comes, I'm already thinking what is going to be for that next day. So if I have a plan that's kind of laid out for me, so that kind of takes that part. But there are some things that I want to have ready. I want to have my Bible. I want to have my plan, what I'm doing. I want to have whatever spirit prophecy book that I'm using as well. And I want to have that ready. I think I mentioned last year 
that I do believe there are places for devotional books that, you know, the one page, the Bible text, and the devotional reading, I think those are fantastic. However, I don't think those are best suited for the personal, personal devotional life. Now, there are many times where I've read one of those, you know, as a blessing, and, but I don't want that to be the extent. I want to have time in the Word of God. And I want to have time and spirit of prophecy to let my mind absorb those things. So I'm not saying that those are wrong. We use that for our family worship. So usually every year we'll choose a, a devotional book. For our family, for our devotional time, we always choose a, an, a devotional compilation from the writings of Ellen White. And just for us, there's so much to read out there, but time is so precious I want to spend time in the inspired word of God, in the inspired writings of his prophets for family time. Because I don't have to have a filter when I am in the Bible and the prophecy. I can, I can let it go into my mind and let my mind be conformed to the word rather than having to test all things, prove what is good, <laughs> hold fast what is good, and discard what is not. So that's just uh, for us personally. So I want to have my Bible. I want to have whatever I'm going to be in the spirit of prophecy. I want to have a notepad. You may have... Similar uh, difficulty that I have that sometimes I'll read things and I have thoughts that come to my mind that are like little rabbits. You ever had those? <laughs> you're reading and all of a sudden you're thinking about something else. I don't, but I don't want to forget it. Or there's something else I want to study about in the Word of God. It's like, man, that's so interesting. But I don't want to just go where I want to go. I want to, I want to be where the Lord has me that day. So I just write those things down. So if thought comes to my mind, oh, don't forget to pick up this. I'm like, oh, Lord, why am I thinking about that now? You know, <laughs> I say, I was making a little note so it just gets out of my mind. Or if I say, oh, you know, I really want to study that. You know, there's a reference to Josiah and I, you know, all these things about reform. I, man, that's fascinating. I just make a little note on it and I'll study that later. But in this time, this is something that, that took me years and years to discipline myself on where when I came to the devotional time I want to hear God speak to me Amen. I'm not saying that when you do an exhaustive study of a book of the Bible or you're doing a word study or reference or topical study I'm not saying that God doesn't speak to us in that I'm not saying that at all but I came to realize that I need a time to just sit at the feet of Jesus and let my mind and my heart be connected to him emotionally, spiritually, every energy of my being be bent towards learning of him. And we know that uh, passage very well in Desire of Ages, I think it's page 83. It would be well for us to... Spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplation of the life of Christ. And she talks about how we should take each scene and let our mind meditate on it. 
What does that mean? It means to let the mind absorb it and dwell on it, to think about it. Not just a hasty reading of it, not just to get through a check mark of the day. All right, I did my devotions, I'm off for the day. No, it's we want to learn of Christ. We want Christ to live his life within us. And so we need time to let the mind become acclimated to spiritual things. A thoughtful hour. She says as we do that, she says that our confidence in him will become more constant. You know, I used to get so frustrated with myself, and I still do. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll show you how I combat that some. But I'd go away from that devotional time, and it would feel like I would almost immediately forget like I, I, you know, I spent that hour and a half, two hours with my Lord and just was so, it's like heaven open and I'm in the presence of God and I had to leave and then it's like I'm back on earth, you know, and about earthly things, you know. And I just get so, Lord, why do I, why am I so quick to lose that? And know why? Because I let my mind lose the meditation of that hour. And so I, I started forcing myself. I am not a writer. I'm not a journaler. You know, my, you know, there are some of my family that are just wonderful at that. There are many who I know they could write volumes of things. And for me, it is painful. <laughs> when I was younger, I thought, Lord, how could, I knew from, from, you know, is the earliest memories I have, I knew the Lord was calling me to the ministry. And when I got into my teen years and in, you know, into school, I thought, Lord, I can't be a minister. I can't write. I hate English. <laughs> All my favorite subjects were math and science. I didn't have to, th- you know, I didn't have to study. You know, I just, you know, it just came naturally to me. Just listen to the teacher and, you know. But the English and the writing and those things, oh, it was just so painful. And it still is. <laughs> but I realized that I needed to do something to keep my mind focused through the day. And so I, I do have a little, little journal book that I write down extraordinary experiences that I have because I don't want to forget those and I don't want to forget to thank and praise God for it. Every once in a while I look back through that and just praise God for what he's done in my life. But I adopted the uh, lazy man is not the right word. (laughs) The non-writer version (laughs) where I just took a card each day And I wrote one or two thoughts that I gleaned from my study that day and just kept it with me. So through the day, I just glance at it and just keep my mind. And it it ingrains it in the mind. And then I forced myself, whatever lesson I had, I had to share it with someone that day. You know what I found? That some will say, well, as a pastor, it was easier because you're visiting people and all these things. 
Yeah, maybe. But I've often thought, Lord, couldn't I just be a lay person? Then I could be working, I have co-workers and all that. It would be so easy to share with someone. It doesn't matter where, if we're a pastor or a lay person, God will put someone in our path to share that with that day. And I don't mean just post it on Facebook. I mean share it. You know what I found? That I always had a little thought, a little sermon in my mind no matter who I spoke to. It was, it was incredible to me. I, I, te- I would test this. You know, I'd do little experiments, you know. <laughs> and I do still do those kinds of things. <laughs> but, you know, I'd have it, and I would just test the Lord. Because I just knew that the Lord wasn't just giving that for me. He gave it to me because someone else needed it, maybe more than I needed it. And I would go and I'd sit in a home with someone or someone would come to visit me or I'd be on the phone with someone and I would find day after day that that message that God gave to me, that person who I was speaking to needed that message that day. And so I always had something fresh. You know, I didn't have to worry about, you know, going and visiting. I'm going to give you some the the hidden secrets of pastors, (laughs) you know. You know, as a pastor, you're always expected to have something fresh and new. <laughs> and sometimes in visitation, you could, say, you could tell the same story to a hundred people and it'd always be new to that person, you know? <laughs> but after the tenth time, it wasn't fresh and new to you. And the earnestness and the sincerity the passion of it, it wasn't the same as when you shared it when it was fresh to you. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have things that you've gleaned that can be constantly renewed and refreshed. But when I could go visit, I always had something new. I knew that if, if I walked into a church on Sabbath morning and... I'm visiting a church and someone tapped on my shoulder and said, Pastor, we need you to preach today. I always knew that I had something fresh that I could share from the Word of God. And that just, what a blessing that was. That every day, you know, John Wesley, I talked about him last year, extraordinary man. This man would preach, you know, five, six, ten times a day. Now, I'm sure some of those he would share the same, but he has volumes and volumes of sermons. How was that? When he was so active, so busy, how is it that he had so much, so many fresh insights from the Word of God? Because he learned to glean those day by day from the Word of God. So I want to share, share that with you today. So I'm going to pass out this, and if I'm not careful, I'm going to preach and... <laughs> yeah. I keep a couple here. Just there's there's such a a transforming power of God's word, and you can never separate the word of God from biblical earnest prayer, and you can never separate prayer from the word of God. They go they go hand in hand. So. 
I'm going to walk through this. Today, of course, we won't have as much time as we will tomorrow because I've kind of needed to set a foundation for this. But I want to show you how incredible this is. And I know because you know, every time I share, I'm at home, I glean, I'll, you'll come and you'll share things with me and I'm going to glean from you too. So this isn't any way saying that my way is perfect. <laughs> it's just a way that, that the Lord has tweaked and developed in my life that has become a blessing to me. And if you can glean from it, and you can develop a consistent, earnest walk with the Lord, your life will never be the same. Your prayer life will just be strengthened and grow from that as well. So you have this here. You have your, your Bible. If you don't have your Bible today, you want to bring that tomorrow. You may need to grab two cards. You can write on the back of your card today. But if you have thoughts, even here, I want you to practice letting your mind be captivated by what we're studying that is probably the, the greatest um, enemy of devotions that we have, <laughs> that the enemy is there to distract our thoughts. So even here, I want you to try and captivate your thoughts. And if they start to wander, pull it back again. And after a while, you will be able to have such a focus on the Word of God that you will see things that you have never seen before. I mean, it is, it is pretty incredible how the mind strengthens to discern spiritual things. So you have your card. So also, and I don't have one for you, but you, you have a pen or something, but usually I'll have highlighter, a highlighter that I like to highlight the things as I'm going through that speak to me. And then at the end, I glean through and say, Lord, what am I going to write down on my card today? Sometimes there are so many things it's hard for me to choose. But I know that if I write down 10 things, they're all going to be kind of scattered. So I discipline myself to boil it down to one or two thoughts that I need for that day. And often there will be verses that I'll come across that I'll say, I want to memorize that. So I'll write that on my pad. Memorize Matthew 4.4. 4. Good one for you to memorize that I'm going to memorize now is Psalm 119, 162. Because I, I want to put that one to memory. Or Jeremiah 15, 16. So as I go through, I'm writing those down. And I'll tell you, I have a list. I mean, I, my list of verses I want to memorize is very, very long. And uh, I'm not going to spend time on that today. But maybe tomorrow I'll briefly talk about that and how that can be a strength gleaning from your devotional life. So you have those things. The thing I didn't mention is in your devotional time before you, this is just a, another secret, have your water ready the night before. Drink, I usually drink between two and four glasses of water in the morning right when I get it before I study and pray. And, well, I'll say that I usually drink a whole two glasses and then I drink another two, one or two glasses during the time. The reason why is because it helps to wake up the body and the mind. And there's a huge difference, let alone it's 
it's healthy. <laughs> it's a good practice. You need to get the body uh, cleansed with water. But have that right when all those things prepared beforehand. So when you get up, there's nothing to distract or pull you away from that time. So let's go to the devotional. This is going to be a, you know, a 30-minute devotional. But tomorrow we'll have an hour devotional. And you'll probably see the difference in that because you have more time to meditate and glean from the Word of God. Some have told me, Pastor, I can't spend five minutes in devotions. And start somewhere. I'd rather you spend five minutes than no minutes. <laughs> and you may not be able to start with an hour. But what I usually recommend those who are just starting 15 minutes of devotion, reading and study, and 15 minutes of prayer. The harder part is the prayer. But I'll show you as we go through how your devotional life becomes the very fodder and content for our prayer. So I'm going to just have a seat here and have my Bible. I'd have my reading plan, and if I came here... This would be, I'd have it bookmarked. And if you don't have a bookmark, there are some out there, Power Through Prayer bookmarks that you can get on the table. In here, you'll see it has the Bible reading for the day and then the Spirit of Prophecy reading for the day. It correlates the Scripture with the Spirit of Prophecy. So in here, John chapter 3, verse 22 to John 4, verse 3. And... I didn't choose it for this, but it just kind of happened that as I found this one because of its length, then I thought, oh good, this is uh, John 3.30 is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, which says, anyone know? He must increase, but I must decrease. So John chapter 3, verse 22, we already prayed, but I'm going to have another prayer as we open God's Word. Father in heaven, please guide us. We know that spiritual things are spiritually discerned, so please help us, Lord. I just pray for each one here, Lord. I pray for myself that we might be students of your Word, but that we may this morning let your word impress our hearts and minds that we may see our Savior and be drawn closer to him for having spent this time in devotion to him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. So in my mind, I'm thinking, well, elsewhere in Scripture, I know that Jesus himself didn't baptize, but that his disciples baptized. So basically what I'm doing, just so you understand, uh, I'm just going to kind of speak out loud what I'd be thinking in my head, if, if that's okay, just to give an example. 
Now John also was baptizing in Anon near Salim because there was much water there. So I'm thinking in my mind, I've been there. <laughs> when I was just 10 years old, I was, had my 10th birthday in Israel. And so in my mind, I'm just thinking about that. There was much water there. What does that tell us? Baptism by immersion. And they came and were baptized. Here I'm thinking, Lord, who came? Would I have come? Would I have come at that preaching? I'm thinking all this cultural Jewish upbringing, all the cultural Adventist upbringing, <laughs> Lord, would I have had a heart to hear and come? I pray that I would. <laughs> so I'm, I'm wanting to put myself in the scene and have it apply to me. I say, Lord, help me to always come. For John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. Can you hear in the back? Is it hard to hear? You can hear? Okay, okay. Just holler if you need me to speak up more. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. So what's happening here? Here both of them are serving the kingdom of heaven, and there's a dispute between them. There's a disunity. They're jealous. Why do we become jealous? Pride. Pride. So I'm thinking, Lord... Help me to not have that kind of spirit. It's so easy to have that kind of spirit. It's so easy. They're jealous for John's sake, but really for their sake, because they're John's disciples. <laughs> they're John's disciples. John, verse 27, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from above. Oh, that's so true. My mind, I'm just saying, Lord, thank you for all what you have given to me. I would be nothing without what heaven has done. Nothing. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For without me you can be nothing. You yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. I think, Lord, we've been sent before you. Haven't we? We have been sent before him. We are sent to prepare the way. And Lord, help me. This, this day, help me to be preparing the way for Jesus to come again. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. 
Therefore, there, this joy of mine is fulfilled. This is someone who is speaking out of the, the, he's not, he can't fake this. He's speaking and he's really joyful. And I think, Lord, how many times have I said those things, but I've been saying it, but I haven't really been feeling it. But I would say, even if you don't feel it, say it. Let your words be what you want to feel. <laughs> and it'll help you. He must increase, but I must decrease. Oh Lord, please increase in my life today. Increase. I'm thinking, Lord, what are those things that I should be decreasing in? And normally I would take time it's probably several minutes and just think about that. Lord, what are those things in my life that should be decreasing? What are those areas in my life that I need you to be increasing in? I'm going to meditate on that. And I may even write some things down because as I'm doing this, what I'm, I'm praying. The whole devotional life is a, is a prayer. So I'm speaking during the whole time, I'm talking to God. He's talking to me. And I'm preparing that. But when I go to my knees a little bit later, all of that is just going to spill out in my pleading for God to do that for me that day in, that, in my life. For time's sake, we're going to switch to this one now. Just because I want to show you how both of these work. Tomorrow we won't be constrained by that. So I'm going to have that, the scriptures in my mind, the spirit of prophecy is just going to develop that a lot. And so I'm going to let the Lord speak to me in this as well. Remember primarily, this is speaking to me. I'm keeping my mind from thinking, Lord, please let my wife do this. Lord, please let my children do this. Lord, let it be me. And then maybe I'll have the right attitude of heart and mind to pray that the Lord could work in my family's life too. I just have found that a critical spirit does so much more damage than we could ever imagine. And it's so easy. And I, and I have fallen in this over and over and over again where I come from the Word of God and I, I have felt self-righteous. You know, you come out of the gleaming gates of heaven, you know, and then everyone else, oh, what's wrong with them, you know? <laughs> we don't want that kind of critical spirit. We don't want to come out and... and having spent, you know, an hour with the Lord and then, you know, make a quick comment to our, our spouse. Yeah, that was a great devotion this morning. So what did you do this morning? <laughs> you know, you know, maybe she was uh, wrestling with the kids that she was protecting my time. I don't know. But I just don't want that critical spirit. I want the Lord to speak to me. And then I want the right spirit to be a minister 
of righteousness to my family. He must increase. For a time, the Baptist influence over the nation had been greater than of its rulers, priests, and princes. That is incredible. You know the first thought to my mind just came? Who was John the Baptist? I mean, <laughs> he, was, he was nobody. This is a man who was raised and was in the desert. People didn't know about him until he came and revealed himself. But his influence became greater than that of rulers, priests, or princes. You know what that tells me about my influence? Lord, give me a heavenly, godly influence. Yes, naturally, I'm timid, afraid, I'm overly shy. But Lord, with you and me, you're going to give me a boldness and a strength and an influence. It may not be, you know, the... You know, elder bore up front. But you're going to give me an influence. I want it to be for you. I mean, that's incredible. If he had announced himself as the Messiah and raised a revolt against Rome, priests and people would have flocked to his standard. I mean, that's incredible. Every consideration that appeals to the ambition of the world's conquerors Satan had stood ready to urge upon John the Baptist. Now I'm thinking, Lord, would I have stood that test? Why would I want that? Would I want that influence to bring glory to me? Or would I truly, sincerely want that influence to point people to Jesus? Well, the evidence before him of his power, he had steadfastly refused the splendid bribe. The attention was fixed upon him. He had the attention which was fixed upon him. He had directed to another, saying, "Lord, always let me defer that to my Savior." Sometimes people come up and they'll give accolades and they'll give thanksgivings and. We may do something for someone. They want to give us praise. Lord, help me to always use that as a wedge and opportunity to give glory to you. I think right now, you know, Lord, I, I could use that. You know, I could take a loaf of bread to my neighbor and they could say thank you. And I could, when they say thank you, I could use that as an entering wedge <laughs> to give glory to you. And maybe open a door to speak to them about the one who they should really thank for it. I mean, that's, that's a you know, thought that I'm thinking. Now he saw the tide of popularity turning away from himself to the Savior. So he's watching this. So the day by day the crowds lessened about him. Are you imagining it? Imagining the, the tumultuous, uh, tumultuous crowd, the huge crowds gathering. And day by day, he starts to notice that there's less. 
When Jesus came from Jerusalem to the region about Jordan, the people flocked to hear him. The number of his disciples increased daily. So when he said he must increase, but I must decrease, he's talking out of experience, right? He's watching this happen and rejoicing about it. Amen. I think, Lord, what would my initial response have been? What if, what if me and another pastor are having seminars and first day it's crowded in mine and then day by day I see them going to his seminar? How would I feel? How would I feel? Would I be jealous for my sake? Or would I say, Lord, you guide your people where they need to be. And if it was just me and you, oh, what a blessing it would be. I mean, I'm telling you, when we go through, we need to make it real and personal. And not be afraid to actually just say, Lord, would I feel that way? I'd be tempted to. But I would need his strength to change that in me. The number of his disciples increased daily. Many came for baptism. And while Christ himself did not baptize, he sanctioned the administration of the ordinance by his disciples. Think, Lord, I would have loved to have been there. <laughs> Can you imagine baptizing someone that the Lord sent to you to be baptized? You know, as a pastor, the greatest burden I have when I baptize someone is, Lord, are they converted? And you're just pleading, Lord... May they be converted. But if the Lord said, oh, what a, the peace out, you know, I would have to worry about that. That burden's on the Lord. And I think, Lord, that burden is still on you. That burden is still on the Lord. A lot of these things you're going to see are from my experience because I'm a minister. So <laughs> they may not all apply to you, but I hope that you're, as you're reading, you're thinking in your own mind how these things would apply to you. Thus he set his seal upon the mission of his forerunner. But the disciples of John looked with jealousy upon the growing popularity of Jesus. They stood ready to criticize his work. And it was not long before they found occasion. If you're looking for something to criticize, you will find it. You will find it. You would find something to criticize as they did in the very work of Jesus. Is that not a rebuke? <laughs> I mean, some of the, the most difficult times in ministry are the criticisms and fault-finding of those who go around professing the love of Jesus in their hearts. And as a minister, you have to listen, and you're praying, Lord, help me not to be critical back. <laughs> help me to be winsome. Give me wisdom how to direct this. But Lord, for me, let me not be critical. Did I mention it last time about if someone comes to you and is critical and is gossiping and you're trying to, did you remember that? Where someone gets you in the corner, you can't change a subject or something. Ellen White says to start singing the doxology. 
<laughs> so someone's there, they're, they're gossiping, they're critical, they're trying to change the subject and you can't. She says, just start singing the doxology. <laughs> Praise God from whom. That would startle them, right? <laughs> uh, but Lord, don't give me a critical heart. And when I start to have that, check me, Lord. You know, when you're thinking about this, what did Jesus say about the things he'd bring to our remembrance? All things that he's taught us. So we're putting this in our mind. I guarantee you, if you just meditate that on that for a moment, when you start to be critical, whether it's to your spouse, to someone in the church, to your children, that's going to pop up. The Holy Spirit's going to bring that to your mind. And you're going to have to make a decision in that moment. And you're going to pray, Lord, help me. Give me victory. You know what's going to happen? You ask the Lord to give you victory? He'll give you victory. I'm naturally, by nature, I'm a critical person in the sense that I can go into a a room or I can read something and I can find the mistakes like that. I don't know why. (laughs) I just am naturally bent that way. I can just see what needs to be fixed. (laughs) But I say, Lord, let that be a gift you've given me and not a curse. (laughs) Because it could be a gift. I could use it to the glory of God or I could use it to the destruction of the morale of those around me and of myself. And there are times where I just had to bite my tongue and say, Lord... (laughs) Give me the, the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a, a word in season to those who are weary. That's another one you should memorize. Okay. Oh, man, we're running out of time. I'll just tell you, every day with God is an exciting journey. And, I, and I'll tell you, it's like this. Has anyone here ever had the fruit durian? You know what durian is? You know, it's the, they call it the, the king of fruit. <laughs> it's this like weird smelling custard-like fruit. And, you know, I'm the only one in my family that will even go near it to eat it. But I remember the first time I tried it, it was just awful. It tasted like eating garlic custard. And, and I thought, the smell was like dirty feet. <laughs> and when I cut this thing open, at first I thought, did I buy a rotten one? <laughs> and so I, and I ripped it open. It was like I was like opening a, a small animal or something. It was just, <laughs> the whole experience was just strange. And I honestly didn't know if it was rotten. And I eat this, and I'm like about ready to gag, you know. (laughs) And I thought, that's not so bad. I I had to get rid of the thought of the smell, the imagery of ripping this thing open, the texture and consistency. And then I thought, man, this is pretty good. Then I, had, then I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make myself eat another one. 
I thought, man, that's, that's good. Now I love durian. I mean, I love it. It's so good. I still haven't convinced my family of that. <laughs> but, but it, I mean, and I'm not comparing the Word of God to that. My, my point is that we sometimes can come to something and it's not enjoyable. But we learn. And then it becomes the joy and rejoicing of our heart. And I've, I remember coming to God's Word. I mean, especially in my youth. Oh, it, was, it was a chore sometimes for me to read the Bible. I did it because I knew I was supposed to. But no one came alongside me to teach me how to love the Word of God and apply it and let me hear it as if God was speaking to me. I came to it doctrinally. And I, and I learned to love that. I saw the truthfulness, the trustworthiness of the Word of God. But I, I didn't know God speaking to me. And, and I felt bad because I saw the Word of God move other people in such extraordinary ways, and I thought, there's something wrong with me. Lord, how come, how come I don't hear you speak to me that way? And I... Even in my childhood, I've always had, Ellen White talks about those who are more naturally devotional. There are some that are more naturally devotional, and there are others that aren't. And so we've got to be careful not to ever judge, because there are some that you can look and say, you know, they don't seem very earnest about the Lord. But that doesn't mean they're not. How do we judge that? Only by the fruit, right? We can't read the heart. Some aren't as naturally devotional. And you may not be as naturally devotional in the sense that there is a, a natural tendency to just cling to those things. But that doesn't mean that God isn't going to speak to you and you're not going to be drawn to Him and your heart's not going to be changed. And he's not going to take that stony heart of flesh out. I mean, the stony heart out and give you the heart of flesh. He will. But when you learn to hear God speak to you, it is so exciting. I mean, I'm not saying every... I told you before, some days I get up and I'm just like, oh, Lord, my mind, my body, I don't feel well. I have these burdens on me. But then I come to God's Word and it becomes such a joy because I know that He's speaking to me. And it's exciting. It is so thrilling, and it just lifts the countenance. It lifts the thoughts. It ennobles the mind. It gives a clarity of thought in decision-making. It's, it's just wonderful. I'm saying, what I'm saying is that, is that it's not fun. <laughs> it's just a joy. Oh, it's so fun. Just one more comment. <laughs> you can see how it takes time. It takes time. You're building a relationship. It takes time and you can't, you can't get, imagine having five minutes to talk with someone versus having an hour. You know the levels of conversation. And that's why our, our prayers become so formal. They're so repetitive. It's almost like 
It's like our prayers for our meals. And I'm not saying that's wrong because we're thanking God and asking his blessing upon the food. And that's naturally going to be repetitive. But in our personal prayer life, we get into root routine, just that that habit. We've said it so many times, it's just, it's default. We, we can say a prayer and we say amen and we don't remember. <laughs> we don't have to remember what we prayed because we prayed the same thing, you know, for 20 years. But this just makes our conversation with God so living because as you're doing this, you're talking to God and he's talking to you. So when you go to your knees in prayer, you're already at such a depth in your conversation with God. When you go to your knees, it's not, Lord, thank you for this day. Please be with us. Be with our children. In Jesus' name, amen. It's not that anymore. You're still praying for these things, but it's, it's not like you've just started the conversation with God. You've been in it with God. It's just wonderful. Well, we just have a, a few minutes here. I'm going to, we're going to jump down. If you are willing, take this and finish this today. And it says, I haven't made this a real good example today because <laughs> we're, uh, we didn't have a full time to get through this. But I want to go down here, if you see on the second, on the back side of the page, just because this has kind of been a, a theme here. Go to that second uh, paragraph there. It says, those who, just because it says here, just because I want to show you how you, you're, you're looking to pull something out to speak to you that day. And I want to show you how in every reading, every scripture, you can find a treasure, a gem, a principle to pull out and write down and glean for that day. So, if you look here, this is a very good example where there is a direct speaking to our hearts. Those who are true to their calling as messengers for God will not seek honor for themselves. You could take that sentence and you could pray that exact sentence to God like this. Lord, I want to be true to the calling that you've given to me. I want to be a messenger for you. Lord, please help me not to seek honor for myself. Can you see how you can take that and make that a prayer to God? Just that one sentence, you could write that down on your card as the principle that you needed for that day. Lord, help me to be true to my calling. Help me be a messenger for you. Help me not to seek honor for myself. Or as I more often do, I will take the exact quote. Those who are true to their calling as messengers for God will not seek honor for themselves. Then when I go through that day, I'm praying that for myself. I'm saying, Lord, help me to be true to my calling. I'm a messenger of the Most High God, and I need you with me today. I don't want to seek honor for myself. 
And if people see my good works, I want them to glorify you as my Father in heaven. So that would be something I could put down for that day. Or you could come down to the next paragraph. Or I mean the jump way down. It says, so with the followers of Christ. You can see this. We, can you see where I am? We can receive of heaven's light only as we are willing to be emptied of self. What a powerful thought. That's a prayer. That's something I could write down. That's something I could share. Lord, I want to receive heaven's light. Lord, I don't want there to be anything to keep me from the light of, of heaven's grace of heaven's truth, of heaven's glory. I want that. And Lord, I know that I need to be emptied of self. Lord, there's so much in me that I need to be emptied of. Empty me of self today. What are those things that I need to be emptied of? Tell me, Lord. What do I need to be emptied of? It goes back to what we said before. He must increase, but I must decrease. Lord, what are those things that I need to decrease in? But Lord, I just don't want to decrease. I want to be emptied. <laughs> emptied. What is emptied? Not just decreased, it means nothing, right? <laughs> nothing of me, all of thee. So I could write that down. Or maybe it's coming down again. All the way down, where you see here, the disciples of John had declared that all men were coming to Christ, but with clear insight, John said, no man receives his witness. So few were ready to accept him as the Savior from sin. Maybe I'm struggling with something in my life that I need, I know I need the power of God to break that. Lord, be the Savior of this sin in my life for me today. Be that savior, savior of life for me. You can go all the way down to the back of the page. I mean, look at that one. The, same, the second to last paragraph. The same danger still exists. God calls a man to do a certain work, and when he has carried as far as he is qualified to take it, the Lord brings others to carry it still farther. But like John's disciples, many feel that the success of the work depends on the first labor. And you say, Lord, it doesn't depend on me. You've called me to do my part, and when I've done it, I need to be happy for those who are going to take it farther than me. Or it could be the sentence of the last paragraph. The work of God is not to bear the image and superscription of man. Lord, let it bear your mark. So can you see how you can go through that? Now tomorrow we'll go through that and we'll make it all the way through and I'll show you start to finish. This will give just the glimpse of how that begins to become a living conversation between you and God day by day, morning by morning. So, what would happen from there is I would take those things, I'd have my other things that I'm praying for too, for 
my church family, the Lord's burdens that He's placed on others that they've given to me. I'd have all those requests that people have asked to pray for this, to pray for this. I just want to tell someone I'm going to pray for them and I don't pray for them. <laughs> now, I just want to say, Lord, please, you know, they give it to me. Lord, please be with this person and then let it go. No, I want to pray for that. I want to pray for that. I want to pray for my family. So I'm going to have those things. But then I'm also going to have those things that God has put right on me for that day. I'm going to pour those things out of my heart to God in prayer. I'm going to listen. I'm going to be still to know that the Lord is speaking to me. I'm going to listen to hear His voice. I'm going to hear Him saying, Yes, Justin, today I am going to give you victory over that critical spirit. I'm going to say, Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm going to rise to my feet just filled with the joy of heaven. And hopefully, day by day, I'll remember to put the card in my pocket. <laughs> but if I don't, then I'm going to ask the Lord to keep that ingrained in my mind. Well, let's, uh, let's close in prayer. And let's ask the Lord to keep us this day. Oh, dear Father, may the, the prayer of John the Baptist be our prayer today. Oh, that you may... Let Jesus' life be increased in us. May we let you do that in us. May we decrease, Lord. May self be swept away in the light of a Savior who gave all that he had for me. Oh, I'm just so thankful that you have taken this time, Father, to be with us. What a blessing it is to be in your presence. But now, Lord, I covet your presence to be with us throughout this day. Let us not quickly forget that you long to walk with us through the day. Thank you for each one here, Lord. I pray that our time together has been a blessing to them. But Lord, more importantly than this time alone, I pray that our time together through this week will ingrain a habit that is built upon a foundation that will never be shaken. That we will be servants of the living God and we will live only and all for you. So I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.